Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast, where you can hear messages from our church that will directly impact your life. Our hope is that by listening to God's Word, your life will be transformed by the power of His truth. To learn more about our church, visit cornerstonebv.org. Here is another message from Pastor Jamie at the Cornerstone Church. And I pray that through this time together, that as much as we have fun with your word, that it's serious business about what you're doing in our lives. You made us in your image. You love us deeply, more than anyone else could. And so, Lord, I pray you'd get me out of the way and use me just as a vessel to deliver the truth that you're doing in each person's lives. Not just in the room, but those joining us online. Oh, God, you love them, and you have something for them. And, and we just give it to you to glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so uh, this story is, uh, if you have your Bibles, open them to Luke chapter 12, verse 13 is where it'll begin. Um, uh, it'll put it on the screen for you as well. Uh, by the way, if you don't own a Bible or you know someone who needs a Bible, behind the, be way be back there against the wall, before you leave, grab one of those. It's free. If you ever need a Bible or want to study Bible or need help with that, our church will give it to you. We want everyone to have God's Word, right? So and if you're watching with us online, email us, call us. We'll help you as well. We want everyone to have God's truth. So um, while you're, you're doing that um, and turning there, there's a few... Uh, Announcements, I guess, for a lack of a better term. Uh, first, uh, you notice when you walked in, shoe boxes, right, are due back next weekend. Um, don't make Sally come after you, right, Sally? She will stalk you. No, uh, but if, if uh, you, you grabbed one, make sure you bring it. Some of you have already brought it back. That's great. Bring it back next weekend when you come to church. If you're not coming and you have a shoebox, you can come during the week when we're open and drop it off. Uh, make arrangements to do that. There's still some empty ones, I think, depending on what happened after the nine. So uh, if you want to fill another one or you didn't get a chance to, uh, grab uh, one, two, three, five, whatever you want to do. Go to the dollar store and, and, and fill those up. Uh, secondly, some of you have signed up for our new membership class uh, to be the class that we have to just look at what does it mean to be a member. That's Tuesday night here in this room at 6.30 to 8.30, and if you haven't signed up, just give us an email so we can prepare. Usually we like to be in the fellowship hall around the table, but there's no fellowship hall right now, and we're not allowed to be so close. So uh, unfortunately, we'll spread out and, and, and handle that. So let us know if you're interested in that. And then really quickly, Wednesday night at 7, we're going to hear from Mike Bundy, who has the call of God, uh, we believe, to become an elder here at the church. So if you can come at 7 and hear from him, and, and you can grill him with some real deep questions too. No. Uh, and um, uh, we will tape that as well. So if you're not, you can't come, uh, you could watch that later, because it's a really important thing. All right? I think that's it. A lot going on, which is amazing and good. So all right, so hopefully you got there. Now, the, the context here, remember, we're, we're really talking about the greatest stories that Jesus ever, he, he's the greatest storyteller ever. And um, he's going to tell a story here, right, in the context of a crowd where he was teaching. And if you're a parent, you'll kind of relate to Jesus getting really annoyed. Not in a sinful way, Jesus never sinned, but just annoyed. Like, if you've ever been, like, adamant to your kid about something, and as you're telling them, your kid does it, right? Has that ever happened to you, mom, dad? Right? That's what's going to happen here to Jesus, because he's talking about uh, 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 standing firm spiritually in your faith to where God wants you. 
And, and, and regardless of what the obstacles are, and, and, and the Bible is always talking about the biggest obstacle uh, that we usually suffer from, no matter who we are, are our possessions. They tend to want to possess us, don't they? And so, so that, that's a big obstacle. He's talking about don't let that get in your way. And then this guy interrupts him. Literally as he's trying to teach, right? This guy uh, yells out, says in verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So you can imagine Jesus going, really? Right? It's like a pastor preaching for 40 minutes on being selfless and you complaining to him about something that didn't go your way in the service right on your way out. You make them go, why do I have a mouth with words, right? And that's what Jesus feels like. He's, he, he's, he's teaching this, this guy. He, he says this, and, and you notice right away, he didn't say, uh, hey, teacher, can you kind of hear from both of our sides and decide which is fair? No. He says, I've decided the way it should go. You're going to agree with me and tell my brother. Sounds like this guy would fit really well into the theology of 2020, Amen. I know how this world is supposed to work, and the rest of you go along, including you, God. And if you don't agree with me, I won't follow you. Well, God never, ever plays that game, does he? And so Jesus is not going to play that game. Uh, he's going to respond this way instead, verse 14. It says, he said to him, man, <laughs> probably didn't say it that way. Man, really? No. Uh, but it isn't, it's not, it's a very stranger-like term because he's kind of distancing himself from that statement. He says, who made me judge or arbitrator over you? Now, this would be oftentimes in that day, they would ask rabbis to make these types of judgments. So it wasn't that uncommon request. But Jesus is like, that's not why I came here. Jesus is not denying that he's the judge of all of us, right? We know that's his role. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about these little petty disputes. Like, that's not why I came. From day one, Jesus said to us, I've come to bring the kingdom. I have come because you are hopeless and helpless and lost in your sin. You can't save yourself or redeem yourself or cleanse yourself. So Jesus came to die for us, right? To rise in victory, to give us new life, to give us the kingdom. He came for that type of stuff. He didn't come for this, to talk about you and your brother and your little inheritance. He's here for kingdom inheritance. And see, the reason he's annoyed is he knows the driving G-force behind the heart of this statement this guy made. It says in verse 15, and he said to them. Now notice, he's including all of the crowd, so all of us as well, okay? Very important advice. Jesus says, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So he knows what's, what's behind this isn't the stuff. It's not the inheritance itself. It's not the money you might have or the possessions you might have. It's the hard attitude of what you're going to do with them, how you're going to view them. All right? and, and so and he's talking to all of us now. He's not just talking to one guy. This means Jesus knows this is going to creep in. Because notice the expression he used. Take care. Be on your guard like a sentry at the wall of your own life, watching. Because if you're not careful, and we've all experienced this, is it's creeping into the walls of our life and all the different corners is this draw towards materialism, towards greed, towards thinking that I'm going to get satisfied if I just get more, whatever that might be in your life. 
You see, the, the natural current of our lives, if we just kind of let life take us, isn't to the waterfall of generous or generosity. It's to the waterfall of greed. It's to that natural fool's goal to think, if I just have more, I will be satisfied, right? And Jesus says, watch out. It's fool's gold. And because of that, right, he tells them this story. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully, over the top, abundance. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. So a couple things. One, um, you'll start to notice in this story, um, there's 54 total words. And 18 of them are variations of me, I, my, right? And so, because this question and what this guy's thinking about is not inherently wrong. You have an abundance of crops. What do I do with it? Right? Well, how am I going to store it? That's a good question to ask, right? And, and so, yet, Jesus is going to subtly put in the undercurrent of this story what's really behind this guy. Umero, uh, numero uno, right? Me, myself, and I. That's what matters to this guy. And so that's what we're starting to see. Right? And so he decides, what am I going to do about this plentiful crop? And it says, he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns, plural notice, right? Several barns, and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul? That's a little bit of humor, right? I mean, if you start calling yourself soul, Go speak to somebody. you got some issues, okay? Like, soul, you know, he's talking to himself, right? And he, and he says, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. I have, I have years ahead, plenty of candy. Never asking, what does God want me to do with my goods? And what do you need, right? Never asking that question because it's mine. I got it. I earned it. What am I going to do with it? And you see what's behind him is this attitude, right? This, this whole idea of being rich and satisfied to myself. And so, so far, the arc of this story is really good. Like, I got all kinds of crops. I got all kinds of, this is great. I'm set up. Look at this, right? And, and you see it, see it here, and it's going to about, in this next verse, it, it's going to hit a climax where it's going to come to a screeching halt. Has that ever happened to you in your life? Literally sometimes, right? But just like you think everything's going great and boom. That's what's going to happen here. And it's going to happen with the two words. We did a whole sermon series on these two words. But God. He had it all figured out. But God said to him, fool. So I don't know a lot, people. But I know we don't want God to call us a fool. See, a fool in the Bible, it's not just a clumsy clown, a silly, like, look at that fool. A fool could be the CEO or owner of the company. A fool could have millions of dollars in the bank. A fool could have the most handsome or beautiful spouse. A fool could be a king, a president. A fool could be that person everyone wants to be because in the Bible, the fool is an opposite of someone who lives with wisdom. And wisdom is taking God's knowledge, God's truth, the way God wants it, and applying it to your day-to-day -day life. That is where God says, you are wise. So when you do the opposite, so to be rich to myself, God says, you're a fool. Why is he being a fool? Well, 
in Jesus' story, God says to him, and this is the screeching hall, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? In other words, you ain't bringing it with you. God doesn't use the word ain't, but you know what I'm saying. And so he's actually using there a loan terminology, right, to be required of. He has loaned his life, right? I've loaned this life out to you, including all that you have, and I'm calling the loan. What do you got? You're nothing but a fool, right? So, so Jesus never directly says it in the story, but the idea here is that, that God, everything this man has is on loan from God. And so we're to put ourselves in that story and say, yeah, everything I got, everything, Everything I'm good at, everything I own, every money, every piece of candy is really on loan from God. And so the question isn't, do you enjoy it? I hope you do. Do you have it? Awesome, right? He never, you never see in this story he gains it by cheating or lying, right? The question is, is your heart motivation towards what you're going to do with it and how you see it? And if you think it's going to satisfy your soul, you're going to be sorely disappointed, He says, you are a fool because why? Your soul is required of you. See, what happens here, the screeching halt, is something that nags in the back of every single one of our minds. No matter how much you have, no matter how much you store up, no matter how much control you think you have, it can end like that. One text message from someone you love. One phone call from a doctor. One visit from a police officer at your door. Here they come. You don't even know how much money I paid to have that done, no. <laughs> Lord bless whoever's in trouble. We know that's not really for me. So, uh, But that will ultimately, right, it, it screeches to a halt, right? And you're like, everything I thought I had control over is, is done. My soul is required. And so we're, we're meant to ask that question, right? Jesus says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. His whole point of the story is to get us to see the point of life is to be rich toward God. That's your purpose, right? That's your purpose. That's what we were made for, to gain the riches of God. And so the the idea here, the point, first of all, is that materialism or greed, materialism is just a nicer way of saying it, right? And we don't want to think of ourselves as greedy, but elements of our life, when we think that's going to satisfy, that's what happens. We hoard it because I need it. And so materialism is a heart condition that never, ever satisfies. Jesus says it creeps into your life. Right? If you're not on guard, it's going to come in and you're going to like, oh man, I really am living for that. And I really thought that. If I just had that, I'd be satisfied. And it slips through my finger like grains of sand that I can't hold. Right? And so it, it, it's, it, it's an empty promise if I just had more. And even some of you right now could be thinking right now, yeah, but Jamie, I know it hasn't satisfied me yet. It's because I just haven't reached it yet. If I got that amount of money, if I had that wife, if I had that job, that promotion, that car, that home, that vacation, right? And so that's what happens, right? We, we start to live for the experience, for the weekend, for the vacation, for the next dinner out, for the next toy, the next thing. And we spend all of our money, our resources, and our hopes and dreams. Look, it's good to have a vacation, and it's good to have fun, and good to go out, and it's good to enjoy what God's given you, but are you living for that? If you are, you have momentary pleasure, and then you wake up, and there you are, still with yourself, still empty, still unsatisfied, still broken, 
still not healed, still don't think much of yourself because it doesn't satisfy. It's fool's gold, right? So that's one way. We live for the weekend. We live for the experience. Another way is our bank account. If I just get enough numbers before the decimal point, I can be saved from anything, right? Becomes our savior. Whatever happens, I can buy it out. But you can't, can you? And so the idea is we, we begin to say, if I have that, I'll satisfy, right? And so then now, you, you know, you want an almond joy. I don't even like coconut, right? No, what if I start to like that, right? You know, I don't like peppermint patties or whatever we got in here, you know, the, the minty stuff. And, 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 and yet, what if I change my taste? What if I can trade that for something that I do like, right? And because this is satisfying my soul, but it just isn't. And so it's how then I live, right? So I look at others. When you look at others, you can get jealous of them because they have something you don't. How come she gets to go to Hawaii every single year, right? How come he has that? And you get bitter and angry. Or here's how it really sneaks in. You get, listen to me now, motivated. I can be like him. He's got it all. After all, look at his Instagram. Clearly he's satisfied, but he's not. Not by that anyway, right? You could have stuff and you might be satisfied, but that's because you've looked at it to be rich towards God, not towards yourself. But when we're motivated by, if I could become the vice president of the company, or if I can get a million dollars in the bank, a thousand dollars in the bank, or whatever it is, right? And I'll be satisfied, it, it's fool's gold. And so I, I just have to tell you, and, and you probably know this by now, so it's more of a reminder, but not enough Amazon packages can come to your door to satisfy your soul. And look, I love the Amazon guy or woman, whoever delivers. I'm not sexist. Man, woman, child, bring my packages, right? And sometimes, oh, what is it? Heather ordered like a puzzle or something. I'm like, oh, that's not going to satisfy, right? Thank God for the Amazon guy, right? But it's not going to satisfy you or the, the cart at Walmart or, or the shoes in your closet or the cars in your garage or the rooms in your house. They aren't going to ever satisfy your soul. This is not a condemnation of having pleasure going on vacation. God's not. He's given it to you. He loves you. I'm not saying we should become a monk and reject all pleasure. It's not in the Bible, right? He, and you are to enjoy it, but hold it loosely right? Enjoy some candy, Jamie, but you know what? These people are hungry too. What does God want you to do with it, right? And so materialism is never going to satisfy you. So the question this story presents is which G-force drives your life? Is it greed or is it generosity? Where's the acceleration of your heart? Where is it? And that's the question I want you to ask. And I know we're in church, so we want to say generosity, and I know many of you, and you are very generous, and there's areas of your life you are. But it creeps in, and there's areas of our life that if we're not careful, if God required my soul tonight, he would say, that is foolish, Jamie. You put way too much stock in that. What was that ever going to do for you? What's it going to do for you now? Right? And, and so it's a constant repentance saying, Lord, I'm putting too much weight in this. I'm putting too much weight in my bank account or in my security or in my job or whatever, my possessions, my resources. And so we can condemn a fictional guy, but he's a fictional guy in the story Jesus told, this foolish farmer. It's told for you and for me to put ourselves in that story. And so uh, that's what we have to ask. We have to ask, right, what does the evidence of my life say and would God call me a fool? 
a secular kind of classic story around this is one called A Christmas Carol. Anyone here, raise your hand, you've never seen A Christmas Carol? Ebenezer Scrooge? Nobody? Okay. All right, well, Andrew's still trying to figure it out. It's okay. It's Christmas coming up here. Watch it, and if your kids haven't seen it, you're a bad parent. You've got to make them watch it, okay? They may not like it, but too bad, all right? And it's, it's a secular example, right? But Scrooge, he's, he's got it all. He's rich. He owns his own company, but he's miserable, right? And he makes Bob Cratchit, his worker, work on Christmas Eve. Bob's got nothing. He can't even rub two cents together, right? But he's happy. He has his family, you know, Tiny Tim, the whole thing. And so Scrooge goes home, goes to bed all angry and not even turning up his own heat, right? And he gets visited by his old business partner who had died, so it's a, a ghost in chains, Jacob Marley. I always want to call him Bob, but he's Jacob, all right? And I was, I'm like doing this. I'm like, I'm going to call him Bob. You're all going to laugh at me. So I call him Jacob, all three services, good. And he says to him, We've got, we had it all wrong, Scrooge, all wrong. Right? You're going to be visited by three spirits, past, present, future, and you're going to find. So Scrooge's life came to a screeching halt, right? And if I stop today, if I were to die today, what have I done? Answer, nothing. Nothing. By the world's standards, everything. By what is really good, nothing. And so Jesus' whole story is from a much deeper and better and spiritual level is to say, what would God say if he called you to account tonight? Now, I hope there's no one in this room that gets their soul called tonight. Uh, It may happen, but most percentages are against it. Maybe it's tomorrow, maybe it's next week, next year, 10 years, I don't know. The point is, every single one of us have that day where God calls our loan, our life, and he says, either wisdom, well done, good and faithful servant, remember that story, or for you fool. And I want every single one of us, me included, to be able to show our life and him to say, well done. Not, why, Jamie? So foolish that you put such stock in that. Remember the question God asks in Jesus' story? He says, I'm, take, I'm calling your loan of your life. Who's going to get your stuff now? Who's going to get it now? Right, you've heard this before. You can't take it with you, right? In Jesus' day, they had a saying. It was, there's no pockets in your shroud because you got buried <coughs> in a shroud. And, and, uh, and there was no reason to have pockets because you can't bring anything with you. Today's modern example is what? There's no U-Haul attached to your hearse. You guys know what a hearse is? All right, well, pastors have to drive in them a lot, right? And they're never fun. That's what brings your body to the cemetery or your ashes or whatever. There's no U-Haul ever attached to it because you're not bringing it with you. What, whatever you have, right, it's either going to rot, it's going to rust, it's going to be sold, at a garage sale, tag sale, or yard sale, depending on what area of the country you're from, right? Or you're going to give it to somebody who didn't earn it, so they're probably going to squander it, your kids, your grandkids. That's what's going to happen to it. You aren't bringing those treasures with you. Who's going to get it? That was his question. And the answer is not me. And so we can say, you know, Jamie, I know it hasn't satisfied me, but, 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 if, but, but if I... You don't get it. I'm just starting out. I could get it. I will be satisfied. Jesus is saying, be on guard. It never, ever satisfies your soul. You're not meant for this place. Instead, the idea of it, remember, be rich towards God. Be rich towards. I want our G-force to be that. I've, I've told you this story many times that C.S. Lewis wrote about. The, the little kid in the dirty alleyway after a rainstorm. 
right? And he's all excited as a kid. He's playing with these dirty mud pies. He's delighted like a kid will be, right? And he, and he gets torn away by an adult kicking and screaming because he loves his mud pies, right? Brings this kid and shows him the most glorious seashore you've ever seen. And Lewis's whole point is we are so easily pleased with dirty, stinking mud pies when God has for you a holiday at the sea. It's like uh, getting to a hotel room. If you ever stayed in a hotel room, right? You got, you know, one, two, three days maybe there. And it's like bringing in your own furniture, or painting the walls, or hanging curtains, and making it comfortable. That would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? You're temporary. This is not your home. It's like going to the airport and saying, I demand to be comfortable. You're at an airport. You are not going to be comfortable. That's the only consistent thing you know, right? But demanding it because it's so temporary. You're about to get on a flight to go home. This isn't your home, right? So that's the whole idea. Yes, you will have things, and and God gives them to you, but, you know, enjoy them, give them, hold them loosely, because this isn't your home, and you're not bringing any of them with you. Be rich towards God. It's It's a looking at the things that I have through a completely different perspective. And so you know before we land this message, we gotta bring out the the rope, right? Okay, good. Here we go. How many have seen this rope before? Raise your hand. Come on. All right, most of you. There's still a few that haven't, and there always is. Praise God for new, new people, so you always have to bear with me. Um, I mean, I was, uh, 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 this past week I was talking with two of our college students, Danielle and Andrew Harvey. They're at a college in Virginia, and um, uh, as a good pastor will do, I asked them, where are you going to church, right? And uh, they both are going to church. They, they went separate ways with friends, and they ended up at the same church. So kind of cool. Really weird Virginia. They're on every corner. I don't know if you knew that. It's kind of strange. We live in New England. Um, and, and so I asked them that, and they were like, oh, and Pastor Jamie, guess what? The pastor brought out one, one Sunday the rope. And uh, Andrew texted uh, Danielle. He was a couple of uh, rows behind her and said, the green tape. And uh, I said, wait a minute, though. I stole this from Francis Chan, and his was red tape. Was it red or was it green? He said, it was green. I'm like, good. He stole it from me then. That's good. Probably not, but you never know, you know. And, uh, but it's good to have a, a little flavor from, from home even when you're, and know that God's working in you, whether you're in Oxford, Massachusetts, or Lynchburg, Virginia, right? And, and so they, they had this object lesson too, but this is basically, you see, it has only one end, right? Because no matter who you are, don't you hear me, whether or not you are in Christ or not, you are made in the image of God, and therefore you have an everlasting soul. You will either spend your everlasting trillions and trillions and trillions of years in the future with God in his presence because you have put your faith in Christ. He redeems you, he restores you, he forgives you, he cleanses you, right? He shed his blood for you. And so now through faith in him, you will live an eternity with him. If you do not know Christ, you will live eternity without him separation from him. But make no mistake, you have an everlasting soul. It will not end. It's just a question of whether or not you've trusted in the beautiful forgiveness of Christ. And if you have, if you haven't, first of all, today's your most beautiful day. You can't cry out to Jesus. Jesus said, if you uh, come to me, if you thirst, come to me, you'll never thirst again. Right? If you hunger, believe in me, you'll never be hungry again. And so that's true for you today, no matter what you've done. But if we're, if we're Christians in the room, I know many of us are, you, you, you have this beginning, you were born, and this green tape, this, this is your life, but this green tape is your life here, right? It shouldn't even be this big. It's just so some of you with eyesight like me can see it, 
okay? And it represents, the Bible has a lot to say about this life. So it's not, we don't ignore it. We don't avoid it. it it's here. There's struggles. There's good. There's bad. There's pandemics. There's heartbreak. There's uh, fears. There's anxieties. It's all in the green tape. All the treasures and trinkets and the stuff, the possessions, the accomplishments, it's all green tape. None of this is going there except what? The things that are rich towards God. That. There is a U-Haul that you will bring. It's a spiritual U-Haul. You get to bring treasures to the kingdom. Just not monies and the possessions of this green tape, but instead of God. And so that's what we got to be asking. Am I rich towards me or rich towards God? Let me really quickly, last thing I want to show you is, because um, one of the things we might ask is, what does that mean? And Paul in his, his letter, as he ended his first letter to Timothy, he describes it for us. Really complicated. You just watch. He says to Timothy, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. There it is. Who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. There it is. You are to enjoy things in life. God's given them to you, right? Just hold them loosely. And so then he says, how do you get rich towards God? Right? Really complicated. You're going go to need to go to seminary to understand this. You ready? They are to do good. Wow. Complex, isn't it? To be rich in good works. Imagine that. To be rich towards God just means when you leave here, just do good. Can we do that? You know what? In today's day, all it takes is not being in a jerk. And people look at you and go, you're pretty good, actually. Right? Just being kind, a little forgiving. Like, just do good, good works. It says that, that he describes that as being generous, right? And ready to share the storing up. Here it is. Treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. You will bring things with you. They are doing good. They are generosity. When you fill a shoebox, when you volunteer for the nursery, when you encourage someone, when you don't lash out when you could, when you bless them in some way, you just do good. You just do what God has called you to do as much as you possibly can. And the more you do that, the more you're going to want to give it away. And the more generous you become, and you become rich towards God. And so this week, our assignment in our prayer time, okay, in our prayer time, is to ask the Lord to reveal areas of our heart that has the G-force of greed. Because we like to sweep it under the rug. I know I do. And then here's the hard part. We don't do this well. Listen to him. No distraction. Sit back and go, God, just show me. Here's the dangerous part. He's going to. It's like sitting in a dentist chair sometimes. Oh. Here's the beautiful thing, though. He forgives you. You repent of it. And you can leave here and say, I can be rich towards God. I don't have to be rich towards myself anymore. I'm freed in Christ to be rich towards God. I can do it. Little by little, more and more, I can be more generous, more giving, more kind, more patient, to the strength of the Holy Spirit, right? Just ask him to show you. Is it your money? Is it your reputation? Is it, what is it, your job? Is it your looks? Is something of this world that you are saying that, if I get there, I'm going to be satisfied, right? Think of how beautifully freeing this is. You could be a failure in every way the world defines it, and God could say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's a Take the pressure off yourself. You don't have to achieve anymore. You just have to trust him and do good and be generous. And God says, you're not a fool. 
The world might call you a fool. You are good, faithful, and a servant. And that's what we want, to be rich towards God. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, you are good. You are generous. And Lord, you, um, you are the, the, the example of what it means to be generous. You gave your only son to die for us, to die in our place, to take all of our shame, all of our sin, all of what we deserve so that we can have eternal life with you. Oh God, fill us with that right now. Fill us with that knowledge in our minds and in our hearts. That's how much you love us. And Lord, if anyone is thirsty for salvation or hungry, Lord, remind them that you said if they would come to you, if they would believe in you, Jesus, if they would trust in you, they will never thirst or hunger again. Lord, if they desperately need to be saved, Lord, that they right now would just say, Jesus, save me. And you would. Thank you for that grace. Lord, for the rest of us, Lord, as we, as we pray this week, I pray to reveal those areas that we're kind of secretly trusting in. And if they were taken away, if life came to a screeching halt, they would be foolish. And Lord, that you would show us how to live open-handed lives with what we have. You've given it to us. Thank you for our possessions, our homes, our families, our, our, our cars, our, our experiences. You have given us so much to enjoy. Thank you for them. But Lord, let us be generous over the top because we don't live for this. It's not our home. Lord, I pray that we can see this life as a hotel room, an airport, an alleyway with mud pies, and know home is waiting. Home is waiting. God, thank you. You are waiting. And I pray that we would be good servants of you and found faithful. Do that work in us, Holy Spirit. Let us praise your name. Let us live for your name, O Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. It's in Jesus' precious holy name. We pray, and all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and sing. Thank you for listening to the Cornerstone Church podcast. To listen to more messages or check out our church, please visit cornerstonebv.org. If you are looking for a church home in the Blackstone Valley, please join us on a Sunday morning at either 9 or 11. We are a gospel-centered church where our lives are transformed by the power of God's word.